Please turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, and I'm going to be reading from verse 11. Actually, I'll start at verse 10. 1 John chapter 3, starting at verse 10. By this it is evident who are the children of God, and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Let's pray. Father, as we come now to the hearing of your word, I pray that we would focus our attention on what your word has to say to our minds and our hearts. You've given us ears to listen, so help us to listen, Father, and help me to be clear and understood and to be faithful to what your word has to say so we can all be built up in Christ Jesus and walk in a manner worthy of our calling and bear fruit in every good work. So, Father, have mercy upon us. Please have mercy upon me. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Sunday I read out this quote and I said that there are many who preach Christ but not many who live Christ. My great aim will be to live Christ. But then I turned it around and I said, there are many Christians who profess Jesus, but not many who live Jesus. My great aim will be to live Jesus. Is that your great aim? Mark said earlier on, the, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him. And we can only do this is if we know Jesus, or He knows us, and we submit to his teachings and we walk humbly and faithfully with him so this morning i'm going to continue to challenge us through loving one another and to see why loving one another is important to a christian but the question is are we loving our brothers and sisters in christ and especially when needs arise according to scripture we know from this passage that loving one another is brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's, a, and it's verse 17. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, it closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? We're talking about needs in this passage. 
And what I mean by saying loving one another, it's getting involved in a brother and sister's life. Find out where their needs are. Fellowship, socialize, meet with them, have a cup of coffee, chat with them after the service. Find out where you can care for them and share with them what you have. If God has provided for you, He wants you to provide for them. The reason why we work and get a salary is that we can share and help the needy. It's not just to spoil ourselves, and there's nothing wrong with that, but not at the expense of helping someone else. And if we do that, we're just robbing God of who He is. And we're robbing Him of you enabling to share His love in someone's life. And it's not just talking and encourage them. It's, patting, it's not patting them on the back either. It's not lip service to compassion. It's easy to say, you know, talking to someone and they say they're in need, it's easy to pat them on the back and say, okay, John, I'll pray for you. Go well. It's not that either. There might be a time for that. But I think that's what we do often. And actually see how can we get involved. Our loving one another is active. It's not passive. But let's be honest. None of this is going to be easy. We need each other. We need God's grace. And we need to just, just stir each other up to keep on loving. We need to stimulate each other to love and good works. Because we all can go to sleep in this side of our walk with the Lord. And if we're doing this, we are obeying Jesus. Especially when He said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. But just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And we notice there, Jesus didn't say just go and love one another. He says, love one another just as I have loved you. Look to me. I've set the pattern. Look to me and love like I loved you. And you weren't a friend of mine. You were an, at enmity with me. You were rebellious. But I loved you by dying on the cross to forgive your sins. To take away your sin. To put your sin on my shoulders and give you my righteousness. I love one another should be like Jesus. He has set the example of self-sacrificing and self-giving love. He has set the pattern. Let's look to Him. And let's follow Him. And there's one other. That's the reason why, we, why it's important to love one another. Because if you picked it up at the end of the verse, we love one another so the world can see that we are His disciples. How else do they see who we are if we aren't loving one another? And we won't get it perfectly. There's no perfectionism here. Because forgiving and asking forgive one another when we offend someone that is loving one another as well but remember in this context we're looking at meeting people's needs but before we move on to our second truth that i want to look at this morning to encourage us to see why loving one another as a christian is so important i just want to recap on our first truth and our first truth that we looked at last week and you can go listen to that fleshed out more on the web, it's there on, on Anchor, on Audio. The first truth is a negative truth. This, is, this should show us 
And, this is, and we should see why it's important to love one another. Because if we're not loving one another, we remain in death. Isn't that what it says in verse 14? We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. That's, that's it. You're either loving one another as a Christian or you're not loving one another as a Christian. If you are, you have eternal life. If you're not, you have eternal death. One, you go to heaven. One, you go to hell. There's no middle man. Now, we must remember, John is encouraging the folk in the church to not get caught into all the false teaching that these false teachers are teaching them. They're saying, don't worry, you're saved. You can carry on living as you please. Do as you please. Love as you please. If you're saved and, you've, and, you've, and you know Jesus and you know God, you're saved. doesn't matter. There's no more sin in you. God has wiped all that sin. You just carry on doing. You can read that in chapter 1 and 2. So loving is, is, so, is so important. We don't have a choice. We either love and have eternal life, or we don't love and have eternal death. And loving one another is not coming here this morning and saying good morning to someone, how are you, smiling at them, thinking, ah, I've done my deed, I've loved that person, and I can relax the rest of the day. That's not what we've been called to do. Ask them how they are. How's, how's things going on in their life? How's work? How's COVID affected your life? See where you can help. And, and John, John, okay, we know the author is the Holy Spirit, but John also is a man full of wisdom. He, I mean, verse 10, he says, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. So there's two types of children out there. There's children of God, children of the devil. And he says, well, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And then he goes into verse 11. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Do you profess to know Jesus? And you say you love Jesus? Then we need to see that in how you love one another. It will be displayed in your life. It will be shown in your life. Because this is a command to obey. It's not a suggestion for us to talk about and think, should we love that person? Maybe not that person. Yes, maybe this person. And, and, and the beautiful thing is, before John moves on to verse 16, he gives us a warning. And straight out he says, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And we know the story of Cain. You can go listen to what I said last week. We know it's a tragic story. We find it in Genesis chapter 4. You can read about it in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11 as well. But we know that Cain murdered his biological brother. He was jealous of him. And because of that, he spent the rest of his life away from the presence of God. And if you carry on not loving people and profess to be a Christian, you're going to spend the rest of your life away from the presence of God. It's here in the Scriptures. 
Cain was of the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. But let's, let's remember this. Cain is not an atheist. Cain is a worshipper of God. Abel is a worshipper of God. They both came with their sacrifice. But God showed up the one who loves him and the one who didn't love him. And the one that didn't love him was Cain. It showed by his sacrifice and it showed by his heart how he treated his brother. How he was jealous of his brother. How he even lied to say, I don't know where my brother is. And God said, his blood is crying out to me from the earth. He murdered him. He was a liar and a murderer. And like I said last week, by reading around, and someone brought this to my attention, which I want to share with you again, just very briefly. We know if we read in Genesis chapter 4, we know that he brought, he brought the wrong sacrifice. And we know in Hebrews chapter 11, that it was by faith that Abel offered up a better sacrifice. So it's telling us Cain didn't have faith. But this commentator says, John moves beyond the authors of Genesis, wrongdoing, and Hebrews, lack of faith, and places Cain's motive at the devil's doorstep. So it's easy to, let's go look, let's go and read about Genesis, let's see what went wrong there, and let's go read about Hebrews, and let's see what's wrong, what went wrong there. But Jesus is actually telling us in John 8.44 You are of your father the devil, he says to the Pharisees. And, you, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's exactly what Cain was. He was a child of the devil, and the devil is a liar and a murderer. He's a liar and the father of lies. What's going on in Russia with their president, Putin, is a murderer and a liar. And it shows he's worshipping the devil. He has no right to do what he's doing. Humanity can tell us that. And this is what happens. I love what someone said. Satan is the prince of the world. We know that from scripture. And he controls it through murder and lies. That's what he's doing. Russia and Ukraine. Who's controlling that? Satan through murder and lies. Cain was a murder, murderer and a liar. Satan is real and he is full of hate. He wants to destroy the church. He wants to destroy everybody in the church. Pastors and everybody. Because he hates the truth. And just as Cain hated his brother and then killed him, so the world never, tried, never tires of hating us and wanting to kill us. Especially men and women like Abel. The world hates Christians. Like I said last week, if you had to go now to the university, to UCT or to Stellenbosch, and go there and say, this is God's design for sex, marriage, and gender. They'll probably stone you. They don't want to hear from us. They don't want to hear what we have to say from God's word about sex, marriage, and gender. Are 
ongoing failure to love a brother in need is the mark of those who remain in death. It's what God's word says. So this first truth tells us if we don't love one another, we remain in death. You can go listen to that fleshed out more in last week's sermon. But let's look at our second truth. Our second truth, loving one another, tells us why loving one another as a Christian is so important. And this is positive. Because if we do love one another, we have eternal life. If we don't love one another, we have death. We have eternal death if we profess to be a Christian. We are being a hypocrite, we lie, and we are worshipping the devil. This is what John says, this is what God's Word says. But if you are loving one another, then we have eternal life. And like I said, in John in 1 John chapter 3, verse 11, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. There he sets the tone. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Now he could have, he could have like I said, he could have jumped to verse 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life. But no, John, in his love, and here we see God's love and God's compassion, he warns us. God is so gracious and merciful. He's always warning us. So when we stand before Him one day, we have no excuse. But God, I didn't know that. Well, maybe because He never opened up God's Word to see what was in the Scriptures. Because Jesus says, man does not live alone on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. We live on God's Word to do God's will so that we are reminded that when Jesus comes, He will not say this to us in Matthew chapter 7. We don't want to hear these words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. How do we know we're doing God's will? Open up the Scriptures, read them, and live according to His will. On the day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we didn't... Did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Do we see the importance of being in Scripture? Knowing God's Word and then living out God's Word, loving one another, not turning our back on people when we can help them? And of course, this is not easy. We all struggle with it. That's why we need each other. We need God's grace. Now, once they arrive here and they can put up their hand and say, oh, I'm a, a fundi of, of this or a guru and I'm, I've passed. No. We all struggle with loving one another. <laughs> Some people do it better than others and we should need to help each other. But we know that if we are loving one another, we have passed out of death into eternal life because we love the brothers. We need to understand, and, and I'm learning to understand this, that when God saved us, it was through the work of the Holy Spirit that He poured out His love into us. And His Spirit lives in us. Because He's helping us to take our eyes off loving ourselves and to start loving otherly, loving other people. Especially here in the church. It starts with our brothers and sisters in Christ. If we can't love each other here in the church, how do we love out there? The unlovely, the stranger, the enemy. We never will. That's why it starts in the family. It starts in your home. Then it starts in the church family. And then we help each other to love out there. But John is focusing on the church. 
He's talking about loving your brother in the church that has a need. And, 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 he's, and he's so wise here. He said, verse 15, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Here we see the gospel. Here we see the cross. Verse 16, By this we know love, that he lay down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. That is how we are passed from death to life. Before we couldn't love because we didn't know better. We didn't know Jesus. We didn't have His love and His Spirit in us. And, and love is a fruit of the Spirit to cultivate. It was when we were saved that the love was poured out into our hearts. And who saved us? Well, He points to Jesus. Look at Jesus. By this we know love, that He laid down His life for us. God didn't just speak about love and one day He's going to send His Son to save us and He just spoke about it. No, He demonstrated His love towards us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Scripture says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us. You know, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. God showed His love to us. On the cross. It was not just mere talk and no action. He sent Jesus, his son, into the world to die on the cross, and it was Jesus who laid down his life voluntarily and willingly for us. For us, he became a sin bearing sacrifice. He paid the penalty for our sins, took God's wrath upon himself so that we might be rescued from the wrath to come from hell. And because of our sins, we deserved hell. But instead, because of God's love, we are reconciled to God. We should rejoice in that. When we read verse 16, For this we know, love, that He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. This should wake us up and and see that God takes our loving one another serious. It's not just telling people what to do and how to do things. And I thought, of what, a, what a great way to, to, a great example. And I know if we look, we can look at the Good Samaritan. We know he loved a stranger. But there's so much we can learn from him loving one another. Because it was on the road. But before that, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. 
And how easy it is for us as Christians to say that. We can all say that. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But now the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? I wish he had never asked that question. He'd never had the Samaritan in the Bible. But there's a reason. Jesus replied, Man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell amongst robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. And I guarantee you, in their minds, they all had an excuse. If I go near a dead body, I'm unclean. Oh, and then if I'm unclean, I've got to go home and I've got to wash my clothes so many times, I've got to wash myself so many times. And, I'm, and the Levite and the priest probably had all these excuses going through their minds. Aren't we the same? Oh, if I get involved in this person, I have to help them now. Oh, how am I going to... They're just going to irritate me, they're going to frustrate me, or they're going to take away my, some of my money and I can't go on holiday. And we have all these excuses why we can't help someone. We're no different to the Levite and to the priest. We always have, we always reason. We can even reason and justify our sins, which is so sinful. It's either right or wrong. But you can also do right in God's eyes, which is wrong too, if we don't know the word. Like Uzzah, he tried to stop the ark from falling on the ground. A great thing to do and a right thing to do from being smashed. But it was the wrong thing because only the Levite was supposed to come near the ark or touch it. And he was struck dead. Was trying to do the right thing, but it wasn't the godly thing to do. It wasn't the righteous thing to do. In God's eyes, we can always justify our sins in each other's eyes. But when we open up the scriptures, we always fall flat on our faces. We are rich sinners saved by the grace of God. But let's carry on with the Samaritan. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed and came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. God stirred up his heart to have compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now, some of us might be saying, Well, you see, there was a rich man. He could afford it. More excuses. Go read about the lady that gave her out, of, out, of her, out of her surplus. Her poverty. We're always excusing. I don't know them. I haven't spoken to them in the church. I, I, I've never seen them in the church. I can't help them until I have a cup of coffee with them. Not the Samaritan. His heart was moved to compassion. Who moved his heart? God. And if we read in the scriptures... We will learn to love God with all our hearts, soul, mind and strength. And it does not stop there. But if it does stop there, then there's something wrong with your walk with God. Because it should flow into your heart. And it should rush out to loving your neighbor as yourself. We cannot read God's word and not be moved by it. We cannot embrace this word and treasure it in our heart and not be moved by it. If we are not moved by God's word, there's something wrong with us. We need to examine our hearts to see if Christ is in us. We need to be real. We can't just hold on to lip service. 
honor our God with our lips and our hearts are far from Him. We need to help each other as a church. There are so many people out there that just honor God with His lips. We need to examine our own hearts. Forget about what goes out there in other churches. Let's look at our own hearts. Are we just lip service, not the Samaritan? And then Jesus says to this lawyer, Jesus is wise. Doesn't have to be an intellect. Doesn't have to be knowledgeable man. He's just wise. He says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Let me tell you now, what the Samaritan did was far harder than what we are asked to do. He was he showed love to a stranger. John is asking us in this passage, he's calling us to love a fellow brother or sister in Christ. Someone we know. And the good Samaritan could have done what John writes about in verse 17. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, he does he does God's, how does God's love abide in him? How can we say we love God when we close our hearts to people? Not the Samaritan. The good Samaritan did not close his heart like the priest and the Levite. God's love was in him. God's love and the love for the believer goes hand in hand. James also warns us, James chapter 2, verses 15 to 16, how we should help those in need. If a brother or sister is purely clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? I'll say something this morning, and I hope that I don't get into trouble. And I'm not saying we can't do this. I think it's great we do this. We all got WhatsApp. And we can all send off lovely little plots, scripture verses, and what it says. And then we can say, you know what, I've done my love deed for the day. That's not loving. Loving is actively getting involved. Phone that person. Now, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with doing it. I think it's great. You can encourage someone. But also phone that person sometimes. Don't rely on media and cop out. It's easy for people to say, yeah, today we're going to pledge X amount of money for something. And it's easy for you to say, yeah, it's my money. And sit there and never get involved. That's easy. But when you have to get involved, it's a different story. And we only grow and mature in loving one another when we do get involved. And we put it to practice. And we realize how much we don't love. Because now that person we're trying to help is irritating me. Maybe he hasn't used the money that he said he would use it for. Maybe he said he's going to buy food, but he went and bought a memory stick or something else. And you thought the guy was starving. We have to be wise. Also assess the system and the person. But I have to practice good stewardship. And whatever happens to that money, I've honored God. And God can use people to humble us and to see do we love them unconditionally? Just imagine if Jesus looked at me and said to his father, Father, should I save Mark? 
You know, Mark's got this, 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 this. I don't know him. I don't know him. Should I save him? Should we help him? Every time we help him, he just messes up. Today we helped him and today he's done the same thing again and again and again. That's how we think. We need the mind of God. Someone said, if our loving commitment to our Christian brothers and sisters is less than it should be. Now listen to this quote. This, I think this quote says something about us and our churches. This is what this quote says. If our loving commitment to our Christian brothers and sisters is less than it should be, it could only mean that we have lost sight of the wonders of the cross. When our love has faded, we have lost sight of the wonders of the cross. We need to embrace the cross. We need to embrace the truths. Because losing sight of the cross causes us to forget how much God loves us and therefore we end up loving in word or talk instead of in deed and truth. We must not just talk about love. We must practice it. That's what John is saying to us in that last verse 18. Little children, let us love let us not love in word or talk. And a lot of that goes on in this world and in the churches. But let us love in deed and in truth. Because when we love in deed and truth, and, people, and we are loving God, and people can see that we're loving God, they will know that we are His disciples, and they will know that we have passed out of death into life. Because we love the brothers. And yeah, someone says, listen to this, because this is what some people do. They love, and they think they can tick the boxes, and they've done something good for God, and now they're going to be blessed. But this, this commentator says, yeah, John is not speaking of love as the, cause, as the cause of our entrance into eternal life, but rather as the evidence of our regeneration and as our evidence of escaping condemnation. We're not loving because we want to get into heaven. We are showing love and it's evidence of our salvation and it's evidence of escaping eternal death. Passing from death to life refers to escaping condemnation and obtaining eternal life. And by our love for one another, our fellow believers, we are assured that we know God and experience eternal life. Now let's not be hard on ourselves. We need God's grace. We need each other. But we need to move somewhere in our lives from how we're loving now to see if we can love, love better or more for the glory of God. So the second truth is so important because if we are loving one another as Christians, loving our fellow believers, we have eternal life. That's why it's so important for us to love. Because if we're not loving... We are still dead. And if we are loving, we have eternal life. What a challenge this is. It's been a challenge for me. This loving one another is a challenge. I didn't grow up in a Christian home where I saw it modelled in my own parents. So this is a challenge. And hopefully we're challenged by these two truths. The one was negative, 
If we don't love one another, we remain in death. The one who's positive, if we love one another, we have eternal life. Folks, we can't say, well, some will love, some won't love. We're all commanded to love. And we are loved in the capacity of our faith and of our walk with God. Hopefully this will challenge us to fellowship, to socialize, to find out where people's needs are so that we can help them. And if we struggle with this, let's look to the cross. Always go to the cross. Let's be humbled and see there God demonstrated His love for us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And when we repented and put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, He poured out that love into our hearts. And He gave us His Spirit for the purpose of loving one another. Not to see how how smart we can be with the Bible, not to see how much knowledge we can have, not to use God so that He can bless us and we can become prosperous and build big homes and have nice cars. There's nothing wrong with that. But we are saved for the purpose of loving one another. Loving God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and then loving our neighbor as ourselves. And in this passage, it starts with meeting the needs, loving our neighbor in the church. I pray that we would be challenged to love one another because with it comes eternal life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you and praise you for this passage, this great reminder how we are called to love one another according to your scriptures. Father, forgive us when we fall far short of this, when we fail. Have mercy upon us. But may your word teach us, may your word gently rebuke us, correct us, and turn us to loving one another, not according to our way, but according to the scriptures. So Father, please help us. Please help each one of us here to confess our sins if we're not loving how we should. Because if we continue not loving, we remain in death. But if we are loving one another, we have eternal life. We have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers and sisters in Christ. And please, Father, forgive us when we do only love in word or talk, instead in deed and in truth. Father, have mercy upon our church. Teach us your truth so we can walk in your truths and honor you and glorify you in everything. But forgive us, Father, when we sin. Have mercy upon us, please, Father. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.